that whole idea that like everything has to be exciting like everything that we do has to be (laughs) like a positive uplifting conversation no we are over that as a culture we're we're sick of just the pretty sparkly instagram feeds like glamour like yeah is it uncomfortable to see somebody like crying on instagram (laughs) like yeah but they come out of it and they are uplifting mm-hmm. and they do have a message and a learning from that. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Be real. A visit with a mushroom can jolt this imperative into clarity, and it becomes part of the homework for us who seek to have an ongoing relationship with a mushroom. Today is a valuable conversation which embodies this virtue, and is relevant to every human. We all need each other's insight, so contribute yours in a comment. Subscribe to Psilocybin Says on YouTube and podcasts if you're new, and connect on Instagram and TikTok. We're going to do this. All right. So, hey, folks, this is probably going to be one of our shorter episodes for a while. Uh, Courtney and I haven't sat down and talked. We were going to sit down and do a recording about the um, crazy news uh, around Synthesis uh, Institute going found for bankruptcy and um, Vilcher Ventures is closing a lot of their ketamine clinics. There's some major stuff happening in the world of psychedelia, but uh, because that topic centers so much around authenticity, uh, being real, if you're going to be a psychedelic leader, uh, we got to start. We got started and realized that there was some stuff that we needed to talk about that is relevant to our audience for sure. Um, that if we didn't address it, we weren't going to be we weren't going to be living that authentic self and being that self that we know is uh, crucial to a sustainable psychedelic leadership. So mm-hmm. um, what are we, what are we, what are we talking about today? What's our <laughs> fodder for discussion today? <laughs> well, so we've had a really, really hard past couple of weeks. Safe to say mm-hmm. it's been one of the harder periods of time in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, between health stuff and family stuff and losing power for four days and being separated in the midst of mm-hmm. all that challenging stuff and confusion. Um, it has been kind of like a test of our teamwork abilities mm-hmm. and Um, We're still kind of going through it, Mm -hmm. and um, it's highlighted for me the opportunity that I have uh, as an individual to either, like, take responsibility for my own role to play in circumstances in my life, Versus the opportunity to point my finger and just blame someone else and just say, like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, you deal with this, which isn't helpful. (laughs) And particularly when kids are involved, it is so important to work together Mm -hmm. uh, as a team if that is at all possible. Uh, And... So that's, I guess, that's what we're talking about today, right? Is like teamwork and relationships and particularly when making that decision, if it's like a conscientious decision, and I guess that's a part of the conversation, like doing our best to make conscientious decisions when it comes to procreation Mm -hmm, (laughs) with mm -hmm. people. And partnership. And partnership in general. Um, yeah, and, and this really, in so many ways, backs into the conversation around psychedelic businesses and us having a psychedelic uh, community, not necessarily business now, uh, not-for-profit. Um, I think all of this plays into the bigger picture. 
And yeah, that's you know what we want and have to be if we're going to maintain these roles is real and authentic. And and something that occurred to me last night as I was doing the cultivation class with our our ministry uh, training cohort uh, that you know I was able to ask the community to you know send some intentions, some you know, support and healing energy, however you want to term it, <clears throat> to myself and our family, uh, which is something that we wouldn't have done or I wouldn't have done, I don't think, in the the for-profit business world because mm-hmm. there was always this kind of separation of your personal life from your professional life. Uh, and I think overall that model is going to continue to fail uh, and, and, you know, one of the quotes that comes to my mind that I've heard frequently in the last couple of years, just kind of, I don't know if it's trending or if it keeps coming up in my world or what, but that the person you pick to partner with for your uh, romantic partnership has more bearing on your success in life and the per- personal growth in life than any other decision you will make. And... You know, that those decisions that I've made in the past are a big part of some of the challenge that we're experiencing right now. Um, you know, I've been divorced two times, um, and the potential for partnership just never was there. Um, <clears throat> you know, my attempts to try and save other people or be a hero or whatever ultimately just. Uh, caved in on themselves, really. And, you know, there's been an ongoing um, kind of cascade of consequences for those decisions um, because I also had children with those individuals. Uh, So, yeah, just kind of like talking through uh, what I know a lot of people experience um, in, in... this kind of scenario, you know, you yourself have had such a fortunate upbringing that you had two parents who love each other very much and stick it out together and really do seem to be, you know, partners with each other. And mm-hmm. so I'm I'm so grateful for that because it's helped you become who you are. And now I can attest to the fact that having a high quality partner who is willing to have the tough discussions, who is willing to look at the big picture and not just point fingers like you're saying and try to find solutions rather than, um, you know, distractions makes all the difference in the world. Uh, So like I'm probably speaking to people who are well on their way in that journey through Mm -hmm. life here. I don't know, but you know, I was in my thirties after my second marriage and came to this realization and whenever you come to that realization and act upon it is the right time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does impact so much. And it's like going back to what you said about bringing up the state, like the authentic state that you were in going into the call that you were leading last night. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, I was so proud of you and just feeling really grateful to be doing this type of work where we can do that. Not only that we can, but like it is really helpful for everybody else. Um, everybody that was on that call, like there were quite a few people that immediately spoke up and were like, thank you for doing that. And like, can we, we want to help. Like it feels good to actually be an active part of community and helping people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that model of like corporate America where you're supposed to just like leave your emotions at the door and suck it up and just like deal with what you need to deal with for the day and then step back into your emotions when you leave. 
clearly like that's not working. Humble under the weight of them <laughs> when you leave. <laughs> it's like everybody feels it. Everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly been there where even in when I was a wellness coach, that was my job. Mm-hmm. And that was the organization. It was supposed to be a wellness organization. I wasn't allowed or asked how I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it greatly impacted my ability to actually show up for other people. Like how am how are we supposed to authentically invite people to do that mm-hmm. when we can't do it ourselves? It's just so helpful for everybody to just have some time to let it go and then move on. And so um yeah and like our ability to with our partner that we're living with mm-hmm. our ability to show up with that person of course is going to ripple out into mm-hmm. everything else that's the foundation that's how we're waking up it's how we're going to bed which is ultimately how we how we show up for ourselves and how we relate to ourselves right i mean that's what i continue to understand on deeper and deeper levels is that everything is a mirroring Everything is a mirror of what's going on inside of ourselves. Our partner is probably the most profound because, like you said, they're right there. Children alongside with that, you know, they're they're right there all the time. Um, and it, I guess, it's on. On one hand, it's it's surprising to me how many partners aren't showing up for each other. But then when I take into consideration that this is a mirror uh, and I understand that most of us have not been taught to show up for ourselves. Most of us have not been taught that we are worthy of support, that we're worthy of acknowledgement. We have been raised in this polarized, dichotomized world of good and bad. And so when you do something that is human, that is is maybe hurts someone else as we all do at times and we immediately judge ourselves rather than having compassion for ourselves and then that reflects back out into the people that we're with. It just kind of, it, it can create such a snowball effect mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of what I'm, I've been trying to do over the years is, is really unwind to that and you have been such a crucial part of that. You know, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before but certainly other conversations how you were the first person that pointed out how horribly I talked to myself or talked to myself. Mm -hmm. I think I've moved well beyond where I was when we met. Um, But your courage and willingness to acknowledge that, say that out loud to me, was the beginning of a major transformation for me. That feels good to hear. My... We just get caught up in life and forget how things used to be mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did used to tell you, I feel like, a lot more. Like, can you be nice to yourself, I was please? walking around <laughs> saying, Eric, you're such a dumbass. God, what a dumbass, Eric. And yeah. Like, that was like the voice all day long. And this was the voice of my parents here ringing in my head. And they were not partners. They did not work together. They were constantly at odds with each other and they were constantly criticizing themselves and each other. And it just it just passed on and on and on. And so much, if not everything, that this work with psychedelics is about is healing that trauma that was passed down to us. Some of it is from immediate life experiences, but we find ourselves in those traumatic current experiences because a lot of us are addicted to drama and trauma because that's what we grew up with. We, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, you had a very different upbringing and I don't know, I guess I'm curious. I know it's been challenging for you um, to witness some of what I've carried into our relationship and my relationship with my my children at times um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious kind of like how it is that you've been able to reconcile those two very different worlds and still feel comfortable in the world that you're in right now does that make sense 
Uh, I think so. I don't think it's a very simple, there's no simple answer to mm-hmm. that. But what comes to me first is that it's like like with with any relationship that we're entering into, there's like a ongoing revisiting of and assessing is this like is what I experience this good stuff that I experience over here worth this stuff that I'm really having a challenge with over here mm-hmm. is it is it not like some days it feels like I mean just looking back to like when we were first together and like here I am like single woman never been married and never had a child and coming into uh divorcing family twice divorced and two children and I initially just I was it felt so good like just being with you and being with your kids like I really just was really enjoying myself so much it didn't feel like a challenge like there wasn't the challenge aspect of it until of course like the honeymoon phase passes and then you really kind of start integrating your own life and asking bigger questions like okay um I got my clothes here I got my I got my books here I got I'm kind of here now And now things are more of my responsibility. There's like, you know, logistical things that I'm taking on. And, um, and I just feel like I felt like I have felt throughout entire, our entire relationship that the growth, like me feeling like I'm growing as like getting to know myself better in a way that feels like positive enough like yeah there's been some really negative shit that we've gone through and really hard times but like overall I felt like I want to be here like I want to be here I I don't want to be anywhere else I want to I want to face this like I want to look at this I want to face it it's faceable it's figure outable with you because you have been so willing to look that stuff right in the face and have really challenging conversations that are required to like move on from it, become better people and a stronger unit. Like that's it right there. Like if it wasn't for that, there's no way. So what is it in someone that allows them to do that you know we have Mm -hmm. known in our personal lives and our professional lives and uh, i think it's important to say people who did use psychedelics on a regular basis so like psychedelics are not the thing necessarily right they're a tool that's very helpful and kind of working through all this darkness and lightness um but you can still have those experiences and not be willing to have the challenging conversations make the effort to bring about change, you know? And so what do you, what do you think it is in an individual that allows for that? Mm, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Cause I look at my family and, you know, I came from the same, we got three siblings and none of them will have a difficult conversation about like a real relevant topic. It's just, look over here let's just let's just not talk about this and um you know i can recall being like in my teens and just thinking like this is bullshit people are just avoiding the reality of situations because they don't want to do the hard stuff Mm -hmm. and you know like it's kind of asking that question to me comes back to the question of uh what i often consider around free will and like Mm -hmm. i i don't know that there is i i i guess my current understanding is that you know every soul is in some level of evolution Mm -hmm. and that you just like 
you just can't do something until you're ready to do it. Mm -hmm. So that, again, requires us to drop judgment of people who are not able to have those conversations, mm -hmm. right? Um, while trying to encourage them knowing that it's safe, like... Because I, I, even though I think that I just kind of have to let go of that stuff with my siblings, for instance, or, or my parents as well, mm -hmm. um, I definitely put in the effort and tried to encourage like my mom to go to therapy with me. We went to therapy and she got up and walked out and never would come back. And, you know, um, so while I can see a lot of the mistakes that I've made, I can I can look back and say like, I have, I've tried real fucking hard to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Do you recall having people in your life that encouraged you to like face the stuff that was uncomfortable to face? Like helped you feel like that would be a positive mm -hmm. Experience? The, the only person that comes to my mind immediately is a counselor that came and volunteered at our school. Mm -hmm. um, I was at a Catholic school. He was a Jewish counselor that came and volunteered. And I was you know, telling you the story how I realized a few weeks ago that when he was leading circles there that I was like, I was co-leading them. I was doing what he did. And I mean, he definitely created a safe space for young people to you know just explore and talk about what mattered to them um but that's the that's the only place that i can can recall it hmm. wow so i just think like so much of this stuff like even even though i asked the question you know what is the thing that makes the difference like things just are what they are and that's part of the challenge when we're in relationships or a situation that um, is uncomfortable or we don't like it necessarily, mm -hmm. is that we're we're wanting it so bad to be different rather than accepting it as it is. And nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to have the ability to grow into its better self without first accepting as it is in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easier said than done. Because <laughs> there is this... Like, for me, there's... When it comes to people that I really care about, and I feel like like family, um, when you're thinking of someone that much and they've had such an impact on your life and you feel like they will likely continue to have such an impact on your life. Like there's this constant dialogue sometimes of in the midst of conflict or disagreement, um, this constant dialogue of what can I do? What can I do to make this different? Like, what can I do to impact this situation? There's got to be something, somebody I can call, something I can say, like some action that can show them something. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, sometimes that thing to do is just like give space and trust the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I mean, ultimately what it comes down to, when I think about myself and... um where I come up against this friction in my own life is looking back at the choices that I've made and feeling um, not just regret, but judgment against myself. Going back to this negative self-talk. Um, you know, when I look back at my first marriage, I was, I was laying in bed last night, Courtney and I was kind of reflecting. I was just like, Holy fuck, like I was 19 years old. I had an affair with a married woman in, in, an, in a conscious slash unconscious attempt to get back at my dad who had cheated on my mom with my best friend's mom. And 
And then after that happened, she had three kids, and I felt just guilty as fuck for messing with that family and felt in the responsibility and the guilt and the blame and the shame. And so, you know, went into a 10-year marriage there that was just fraught with um, massive challenge and mental illness and addiction and all kinds of crazy, crazy, craziness. Um, and the thing that perpetuated me in that relationship was that judgment and shame of myself. You know, when, if I look back at it, I think it's understandable why I did what I did. I grew up in a very religious, dogmatic world where, you know, like masturbating is a sin, much less cheating on your spouse. And then my father goes and cheats on my mom with my best friend's mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like my entire world, and this was all at the same time that the Catholic church was going through their um, sex abuse scandal. Mm -hmm. And so it was like everything mm -hmm. that I thought was true mm -hmm. was completely yanked out from underneath of me. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to do the opposite of what y'all have said because you're a bunch of fucking hypocrites anyway, mm -hmm. you know? And so that, again, just led to this kind of ongoing self-judgment. And I realized last night that I, you know, in many ways I've continued to do that. I've continued to to judge myself for my the things that I did in the past that were actually really understandable. Mm -hmm. Like there's an understandable sequence of events and so I want to try to continue to bring that compassion into my own life and into the life of the people around me. You know, we've been challenging kind of stuff here lately with with uh, with my son, and and instead of having that perspective like my dad used to have to me of you just need to do different, mm -hmm. I want to have the perspective that I'm slowly starting to take on myself as like. It's, it's understandable. Like, it's understandable why you're acting out. It's understandable why you're behaving the way you are. It doesn't make it healthy. It doesn't mean that it's a good thing, but it's understandable. And there's... A I mean, yes, I had a extremely fortunate childhood with parents that encouraged me to do the thing that I was feeling motivated and driven to do even when they didn't understand it they and they were always open to talking with me about whatever I was going through mm -hmm. and like at the same time there were times where like they're, they're freaking human and going through mm -hmm. a lot of crazy stuff like at work and personal life and stuff and individually and there were definitely times where like neither of them were really capable of being present with me understandably because they're human. Mm -hmm. um, and like where my need to be like seen and like held was not like met by them it was met with like frustration and irritation and anger like because when when we're confused about something like we're just trying we're feeling confused and we're like the things are coming out that don't make sense we're trying to make sense of what's going on that's confusing and sometimes that comes out like anger and like for a child like depending on the child, it can definitely like come out like anger <laughs> a lot. Mm -hmm. And like when I was having a hard time in school, my first, when I was feeling like unaccepted, unwelcome, like, like I didn't fit in. My go-to was to get mad at my parents and find a way to pick them apart mm -hmm. and like just be irritated with them and like yeah like understandably sometimes their response was irritation back and like don't talk to me like that and like like you do that one more time and like 
this privilege is going to be taken away or like just go to your room or, you know, like parent stuff, to parent stuff. Yeah. But like as a child, like reflecting on that, I felt like more shame for the feelings that I was feeling. Um, and more unable to express myself and what was going on when it was already hard to find the words for what I was feeling, not knowing. Like, yes, I know that I don't feel comfortable at school or I feel like attacked by this person at school, but I'm embarrassed about it. So I don't know how to say it out loud. And I'm afraid it's true that I'm unworthy. And like, you know, as a child, you just don't have those concepts figured out. So, um, yeah, like even yesterday in the car, like, so like, we are learning how to do things differently than our parents. Yes. And oftentimes I find myself in that waking up to that loop of anger mm -hmm. and lashing out at my children when they're confused and lashing out at me mm -hmm. and feeling personally attacked by it. And like, this is the way that I shut this down get rid of it mm -hmm. is to lash out and just tell them to stop or like you do that one more time you go to your room or you know same kind of thing just repeating the behaviors mm -hmm. that I was taught and how to deal with it mm -hmm. and like yesterday this has been happening more where like I pick up um, our son who's almost six from kindergarten and he gets in the car and how was your day it was really good and we start talking and he wanted something that I could not give him at the time. He wanted me to take him home before picking up our daughter. And I couldn't, I didn't have the time for that. That wasn't the trajectory we were going on. And I was like, no, we're going to pick up your sister first and then we're going to go home. And immediately just started bawling, cry he started bawling, crying and was really upset. And my first reaction was like, I felt my blood boil and I was just like, I felt it coming where I was just, I felt like, cause I'd had such a hard day already. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be like, stop crying, stop that. But then I realized like, hold on, <laughs> he's feeling something and it's way too hard for him to express to me what that actually is right now. So I'm just gonna like tell him I love him Tell him when he's ready to talk to me, we can talk about it and just had to let it pass. But like, man, sometimes it is so hard to feel out the difference between like, like what setting a healthy boundary for mm -hmm. ourselves yeah. is and like helping other people be aware of that boundary in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. It's tough. And being compassionate on where what they're experiencing and what they're yeah, no, it, it <laughs> that's the thing about boundaries is they're they're not as like hard as we would like to pretend that they are. Mm -hmm. And you know, this has been a part of your journey here in the last few years, is kind mm -hmm. of determining boundaries. And for me it's been I've had far too rigid of boundaries over the years, um, because my boundaries were just always crossed as a kid. You know, never knowing if I was going to be just like screamed at or whatever, praised, you know. Um, <clears throat> but it's like really like what you're saying here is hitting such a chord in terms of this partnership aspect because raising children is such a fucking difficult thing to do. And if you are not in a partnership with someone who is like for real partner, and you're you're going to have different upbringings that are come into play as you try to you know train and educate your children, um, and and so it's just so important to be able to talk about because like even you like you know I grew up in a look you you're about to get your ass whooped that's what's going to happen and then it happens you mm -hmm. know and that is something that while it's not ever been like a go-to for me, when we first met, I, I was still like spanking my kids at times, like a smack on the butt or whatever, you know? And 
because I was able to hear your perspectives from someone that didn't grow up in that scenario, then I was able to, I think, make a better decision. And, you know, I just want to say to you um, that I, I recognize that um, not only with me, but in our friend circle and, and our close close folks, you know, um, people often comment on how fortunate you are to have the upbringing you did, but like you didn't have a fucking Pollyanna upbringing. You know, you've talked about anorexia on the show here and, you know, just talking about your parents. Like that was a big part of my trip coming out. The last dose that I did a week or so ago was, you know, like your mom working, 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 working all the time and, and how much you needed her and, and still do and our kids do, you know, and all. Um, and it's not to criticize her, you know, we're all just we're all just trying to prove our fucking worth. And that's where like this relates to partnership for me because in our relationship with between us or with my kids or really within any interaction that I have with anyone, how I respond to them says so much about my sense of self-worth. What I do with my time every day, all day, says so much about my sense of self-worth. And I think that's, I, I don't know if that's like what this all ultimately goes back to, but I feel like it is a major cornerstone of being able to be in a healthy relationship where you can communicate whatever it is. Are you worthy of communicating your needs and your feelings and for that to be heard and acknowledged in a, a safe, respectful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That's such a good point. I feel like when my cup, so to speak, is filled up, I am so much more capable of remaining calm and seeing through the clouds um like when we're spending time with community and like authentic community that really cares about us and we care about them and like taking breaks throughout the day the work day mm -hmm. and like getting outside mm -hmm. <laughs> like all these things like getting physical activity and drinking enough water and like all those things mm -hmm. that go into the wheel of wellness mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> when financial stress like when we're feeling financially like comfortable to meet needs mm -hmm. like all those things play into our ability to just have peace through challenging conversations and scenarios mm -hmm. when we can have like the majority of those needs covered mm -hmm. then it's it feels like all right these couple things may be hard but like i got this foundation here that's allows me to breathe and that's what i want to be able to give to my kids and to you and to our community you know is this a safe foundation where you can work through your stuff, work process through, and continue moving up that kind of, um, you know, I, I do go back to, in my mind, anyway, I see this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and, you know, um, and I want to see all of us as actualized as we can be. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to happen through criticism and condemnation. Mm hmm yeah, um, it it's definitely a process. Like, it's such a process where it feels like you take a couple steps forward and then a step back sometimes. And so much learning and contrast is involved in that ability to take responsibility like for ourselves mm -hmm. and our place in things. Cause it does feel like sometimes like, hold on a minute. Like I don't remember agreeing to come into this world 
and do all this hard shit every day. I don't remember agreeing to have these parents or this circumstance in my that I came into being poor or being in a unsafe home or like whatever it is mm-hmm. for people. Um, and so it can feel like, like, is this my responsibility right now? Like back to the free will thing. Like, do I have an impact on this whole thing right now? Do I, do I really, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty healthy question to like consider and feel out and like have a personal understanding of like how far Mm -hmm. our impact goes. Mm -hmm. Or that Um, boundary, you know, it's like, that's one of the questions that I have been, we have been, I think, you know, struggling with over the last week or two is, like to what degree are we responsible to this situation to play an ongoing role of support, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are definitely times when we have to cut that off. And, you know, as as hard as it's been for me with, with uh, you know, my mother in particular, it's been enormously helpful it's been so helpful to not continue to expose myself Mm -hmm. to ongoing judgment i think you've seen improvements in my general you know emotional health uh since i have kind of drawn that boundary um and it's just it's just not something that's easy to do because like we for one like you're saying we're in these kind of almost weird you know interdimensional contracts with people mm-hmm. with souls if you will um and then we're also in a relationship with ourselves where we have to determine like mm-hmm. you know okay where is my line of health and safety here right like that's part of the weird interdimensional contract mm-hmm. is like figuring that thing out for consciousness like mm-hmm. as an individual part of that whole consciousness so do you have a like where do you draw that line and i know there's probably not going to be a here's the answer and I, you kind of i think maybe answered it to some extent about you know the benefit versus the detriment in any relationship you're in but like if someone we, we've all been there before, either in our current relationship or a past relationship with someone where we were trying to determine, is this worth it or mm-hmm. am I worthy of this or more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is, it is not black and white. It is, I feel like, uh, process of conversations with people that care about me um like if i'm in question of something that i'm doing in my life like if it's a work relationship um or romantic relationship whatever if i'm like asking myself regularly hold on, maybe this isn't healthy for me. Mm. Then I can only personally ask myself that for so long. Like, and usually that's not, usually that's like, if it's coming up regularly, it takes me like a few weeks. If it's like regularly coming up for weeks, then I phone a friend. (laughs) I'm like, can we get together and I need your feedback. Maybe this is a loop that is personal to me that I'm making more out of a situation. I'm making it worse. Maybe this is me. Maybe I'm thinking maybe it's them Mm -hmm. or yeah, but maybe it's me like in a place of resistance to leveling up personally and I'm, I'm avoiding it or approaching it in a way that's not helpful Mm -hmm. and 
like having, there's a very select few people who I feel like will be honest with me. Mm. Like tell me what out of like true care and concern Mm -hmm. for me will tell me Mm -hmm. what they think. Um, And even then, like, they are in their own place of projection always. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about community is like, we can only get feedback from people and then use our, take our own personal responsibility and like, you know, feel that out until, and then bring it back to the person, the relationship that's challenging. Be like, all right, like I've been talking with people and I'm hearing this and I'm feeling this about what they said. And now what do you think? And like, let's talk about it. And then like, it's just, it takes a while. It's not. Yeah. I think what you're saying though is really valuable because like getting, getting, uh, hopefully unbiased or as unbiased as can be feedback from your peers and your surroundings <clears throat> and then going back into the situation and bringing that information. And if the individual continues or the situation continues to refuse to acknowledge these varied perspectives and then mm-hmm. assess their own you know, participation in whatever it is, then for me, that ultimately becomes like... That's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, in situations where I've, yeah, I've just been, like, three, four, five times, been like, look, this is what I'm feeling, and I need I need you to, like, respond to me in a thoughtful manner. And if it just comes back as deflection and defense, and rather than, like, listening and responding thoughtfully, like, fucking how much time you got for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point, I feel like I, I know... When it's time to move on from a situation that I've been unhappy in, when I become just disinterested in it, mm-hmm. like it gets oh. to a point well, where I'll... you just become exhausted and you're just like genuinely, it's not even confusing anymore. It's just like, I just really like would rather be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go do that now. Well, I was, I was going to bring that up earlier though, you know. Advice from Bashar, our early alien friend, that um, going towards what excites you. And that can be tricky because we can train ourselves to think that uh, fear and anxiety are excitement sometimes, you mm-hmm. know. But like if you can touch in on that sense of real, like anticipatory, there's growth here, <clears throat> kind of excitement curiosity <clears throat> mm-hmm. then yeah that's it can be a lot easier than we make it out to be honestly you know we we spin up in our head mm-hmm. but our heart knows what's right so yeah this will feed into our conversation around psychedelic organizations um and like how do we thrive as an organization um, and a psychedelic one in particular where like a big part of that is like looking at your shit and dealing with it um, is that, that like when a problem arises, like this is a very corporate America type of thing is like assess it, assess how it affects the bottom line. If it affects the bottom line, then cut it out. Mm-hmm. And that is oftentimes that oftentimes means people mm-hmm. and a lot of people sometimes and sometimes very important people and um it doesn't work like that that doesn't work i don't think that works in any organization honestly like really long term um but particularly one that's based that's rooted in wellness and serving mm-hmm. people um it is so vital that we as units, whether that's like a partnership or a family or a community and organization, when hard stuff comes up, we come back to the core of the agreement and like what we're in it for and go move from that place. Mm-hmm. 
Like, what did we do this for? Mm -hmm. And like getting really clear on that, like in a marriage and a family, the intentionality, like let's revisit what we're doing this for. Mm -hmm. Like we're not just doing it to like do it. Mm -hmm. We're not just, we didn't get together and keep getting together and in our case have children together to like as a fun little experiment like yeah maybe a little bit but also (laughs) (laughs) but also like because there's like long-term stuff that we're moving towards Mm -hmm. here and big stuff impactful stuff like we're doing shit in the world Mm -hmm. And so let's turn towards each other and like get curious about how we can grow from this instead of like just cut each other off. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it just it just happens so much. I mean like divorce is clearly a huge problem right now and has been for a while in marriage and it's a huge problem in the corporate world and organizations in general is not knowing how to communicate with ourselves and each other. Yeah. Yeah. Compassionately. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you brought up intention uh, here towards the end of this conversation because I, I more and more, you know, through, psychedelics but really through integration of psychedelic experiences coming to see how crucial intention and coming back to that intention is why are we doing this why did we get married why did we you know you name it and if it's not infused with intention then it's not going to last and if the intention is um, and I think not from a authentic, loving place, then it's also not going to last. And that's I think that's what we're going to see a lot in these psychedelic companies. I've got quite a few stories that I can relate to, uh, having been at the early stages of the um, the psychedelic gold rush, as it was called. Um, but yeah, intention. Even this podcast, you know, I think this may not be our most popular podcast. Um, cause it's just kind of like where, where we're at in our energy and all that. Um, but the intention behind the podcast actually might make it one of the more popular shows because our intention is to be really real, to share our real world experiences and help people understand that we desire deeply to grow and and be as whole as we can as individuals and bring that into mm-hmm. the organization and the community that we're forming. Yeah, well, that right there is such a juicy point. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love um, my juicy points. <laughs> yes, I love your juicy points too. <laughs> that whole idea that like. Like everything has to be exciting. Like everything that we do has to be (laughs) like a positive, uplifting conversation. Everything has to be pretty and sparkly. And like, no, we're we are over that as a culture. We're we're sick of just the pretty sparkly Instagram feeds. Like glamour. Like, yeah. Is it uncomfortable to see somebody like? crying on Instagram. (laughs) Like, yeah. Am I always in a place to look at that? No. But I will say that the people, Instagram is just, I'm going to roll with it. Like the people on my Instagram feed that do show up in messy places and are like, shit's fucked up right now. I'm pissed. I'm like, there's tears running down my face and I'm really uncomfortable. I'm probably going to regret this, but like, I need y'all to know that like my life is really hard. And then they show up and like, they come out of it and they're like, they are uplifting Mm -hmm. and they do have a message and a learning from that. Mm -hmm. Like, is it uncomfortable to watch that? And do I like look for that? 
necessarily. No. Mm-hmm. Like, do, am I like searching out somebody crying on Instagram? <laughs> no, but Who's like. the most miserable fuck on Instagram today? <laughs> I know that that person is putting themselves out there mm-hmm. when it hurts and it's hard and mm-hmm. really uncomfortable and doing the work. And that's just somebody that I'm way more likely to like just feel comfortable around oh, right. honestly and look to and for look- some kind of like camaraderie or support yeah or like we, you know we are the same like I don't, you're so right and i'm so glad i think this is this is also part of this topic of the the big reveal and psychedelics you know it's like <laughs> it's so funny to me i saw one of these uh articles the other day where they were you know, showed someone in eye shades, a face mask, headphones on their psilocybin journey in a laboratory. And I was like, that's a fucking lie. That's a fucking lie. And it's not going to last very long in this world, in this, in this industry, as it's being, you know, called. Yeah. Uh, but overall, bigger as a culture, I think we're starting to see. And so much of it for me is reflected in our political environment and our corporate media that we are constantly being fed a kind of like a a script of what what we're supposed to think life is. And it's not real. And we have got to and we are going to get back to real humans having a real world experience and sharing that and us being able to identify with those people. So I, I know that you and I are a part of that. I know that we are, particularly in the psychedelic world. Even still, you know, you are going to have a hard time listening to a psychedelic podcast out there that isn't just kind of like talking about how great psychedelics are and how, you know, so much healing that comes out of it. And this is what we... It's fucking ugly. I, I laid right there on that floor and drooled and snotted and cried for my mom and for my grandma and like for hours and hours and hours the other night by myself. Thought I was going to die for a significant portion of it all. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful because it was real. And that's that's the hope that psychedelics offer us I think ultimately is is you know yes getting in touch with the rawness and the realness of who we are and you know I just want to thank you for being able to I don't know kind of get ugly publicly or to just like not be that insta glamour gal all the time you do, you know, you got yeah, your, your, your little smoothies and stuff. Definitely <laughs> lost friends over my lack of Insta, Insta glamour sometimes. <laughs> um, but, oh, thanks. I'm really grateful for you encouraging that in me and you setting an example uh, for me and our family and our community so often, even when I. I just get a little, I get pretty uncomfortable sometimes with There's my your husband role model. Spilling his guts in front of everybody again. <laughs> but then I get feedback from the community and they thank me for like just encouraging you to do that. And I see, I see, I've seen so many times, like so many times how it gives permission for people to let their shit out when they haven't mm-hmm. had that ever oftentimes in their life and it's an honor like it's an on like as long as it's not happening like every day like <laughs> nobody wants that friend that's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> in tears every single mess. day yeah. you're like okay we're gonna need to move on now yeah. <laughs> But it's an honor when you do have a friend that like you have a lot of good times with and really enjoy being with when they call you and it's like, I need you today. Mm-hmm. I need to spill my beans and like... You would have seen that men's circle last week. I'm still kind of wondering how a lot of folks are processing that. I know. You came home and told me about that and I was honestly worried. I was like, oh no, like I hope people can hold space for that today. But then like I had wives or a a wife of somebody who was there who approached me and 
thanked me for like the role that I have to play in encouraging you to do that and how much it impacted her partner to be mm. there in that space and how honored he was. Mm. And she's a real motherfucker. She's mm. not, mm. she wouldn't just tell me that. And so, no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, that was, man. I just want to, I know that there's probably some folks listening and, uh, you know, I want to reiterate my gratitude because, you know, that's some, something that I've been experiencing the last few years, um, you know, after stepping away from retreats in Jamaica and, you know, quite literally tens of thousands of hours of being there with hundreds and hundreds of people while they lose their shit. And that was the first time that I've ever lost my shit, uh, which I did, you know, I wasn't, I was like, you know. Like, what does that mean? I was, I, I was like, I was break that down. like on a 15 gram mushroom trip for 30 minutes, just snotting and snarling. And like, there is this. You didn't actually eat 15 grams of mushrooms. No, just to be clear, but it was but like, I was like able that. to get into that space. Um, thanks to those men that were there facilitating that. Um, and thanks to myself for being able to go there and thanks to the mushrooms for helping me, you know, grow, go there time and time again. But I've, I've always only done that, kind of gone that far when I was alone. Um, and then there's something very different about having people there to witness and to not judge you, you know, um, and and so yeah, it was bless those souls. Uh, mm -hmm. It helped. It uh, and it also helped to remind me the the massive um, role that I have surely played in in many people's lives. Mm -hmm. Doing the same for so long, so many times. Yeah, and we all need that. We all deserve it, mm -hmm. and that's what I want to do. I want to do to the fullest of my extent for everybody that I can. Especially my family members, especially those who do it, do that for me. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's probably a good <laughs> wrap up. I mean, should I turn yeah. into my bear dragon right now? No. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. if you're feeling yeah. that's what you need to do, <laughs> go for it. Bear, bear, bear dragon is in the cave <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for listening. As always. Yeah, see you next time. Keep it real. <laughs>